so one of the things that I love to do is look at the secure skill set, typically speaking, mm-hmm. rather than I think we can sometimes become quite obsessed with the red flags and what's insecure. And actually, it can be really useful. The way I try to do it is to be like, well, actually, what's secure? What does I that look that. like? Yeah, that really helped me in relationship because mm. when you start to learn that, I started to realize, you know, if my partner's not messaging me or he's focused on something else, I started to realize, oh, that's really normal. Secure people can focus on lots of things and be present in that moment. And it doesn't mean that he's not holding love for me, but it does mean I'm not his priority in that moment. Oh my and God. That was really powerful for me. That is so huge. I even just had a. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives and always on our own terms. Hi, Carly. It's nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I really mean that. Like, I just could talk about this stuff all day. Yeah. And I was uh, just mentioning to you, I'm so glad I came across your content because I personally have been working through trying to heal and move from anxious attachment style to, you know, the secure and really realize also, like, through my healing process, like, how liberating. It is when people can experience this breakthrough and show up as their best selves in their relationships. So mm-hmm. what you do is so amazing and how you can help people from that personal experience. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it from uh, the topic of on the topic of how to heal insecure attachment style. I think the first and imperative place to start just in case someone needs a little refresher or not quite sure what it means to be insecure attachment style. So can you just start from there, what it is? Of course, of course. I just love as well, by the way, that you are sharing your own journey. Um, So yeah, just thank you for that. You know that that's part, you mentioned yourself when we spoke that that's, um, I think that's partly why a lot of people come to me. So I just really want to acknowledge Mm. that. Um, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Especially because, I don't know, you may have experienced it, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth. But I was just having a conversation with my best friend who's a psychotherapist. And and I I said, you know, I kind of have this either imposter syndrome slash like, is it too personal? Like, I don't know how much I want to share, but I do have a platform for a specific reason to help people through my own learning experiences. And he said... Chris, I want to acknowledge you. And there's going to be people who are learning and can relate just because they might be able to seize themselves in you. And that is such a powerful gift. So I really appreciate you sharing that acknowledgement with me too. Yeah, of course. Um, Okay. So insecure attachment. I'll just start briefly with attachment styles. So we're looking at with how we attach how we typically form bonds is basically how secure we feel in relationship with ourselves and with other people Mm -hmm. and we just typically form bonds as a way that is either secure or insecure and you know I mean feeling secure in the way that we think in the way that we behave but also the way that we feel like we tend to know when we're feeling quite insecure or that imposter syndrome and things like that. But we have a more insecure experience with love and connection and our expectations of relationships when we haven't had the best examples or we haven't witnessed connection Mm. and relationships in in a healthy way. And we ourselves have probably um, experienced ruptures in our relationships in the past and that influences us right that impacts our inner roadmap it, in a, it impacts how we see ourselves others relationships the world and if there hasn't been enough repair because mm-hmm. we can all have ruptures in our relationships in the mm-hmm. past and right now but if there isn't good enough repair that is when 
we can really start to form that more insecure attachment. So as adults, we might really struggle to relate to others. We might struggle to feel safe within dynamics because we're assuming the worst, we're expecting the worst, we have quite negative expectations that this is going to end or I'm going to be let down. And just that foundation, that sense of safety, especially when it comes to relationship, because we can sometimes feel like ourselves. And then when it comes to relationships, we can feel really unstable, you know. So insecure will look like struggling to trust. Um, I've said already expecting, but not just expecting, literally a physical, physical fearing the worst and experiencing a genuine sense of threat when it comes to relationships, especially Mm -hmm. romantic relationships. It doesn't have to be romantic, but it is especially romantic. Yeah. And, and when you said, um, expecting and fearing the worst, like I relate so much to that. And some of the work that I had to do was understanding that you can set high standards as a high value person, but not expect. And it was that expecting of how it should be, or they should have done that. And then for me, I had to learn that should be is just your own imaginary thoughts you know, that person can't be a mind reader, right? So there really is no should be unless it maybe violates your safety or they're disrespectful or something like that. And and I when I latched on to that expectation, Carly, I was getting into that like fear and that fear of it means, you know, they don't love me or they don't care about me. And then that feeds that negativity bias and and then that anxiousness just like spirals out of control so much i want to understand like from your experience like do you think because you said yeah it you can feel it you it occurs your insecure attachment when you have that experience in an unstable environment and a lot of us know that it can start from really childhood right but like your childhood attachment But is it possible that somebody maybe who grew up in a secure home and loving uh, kind of attachment style, but develop insecure attachment based on their adult relationships? Yeah, I think when you look at the research that's out there, the writing on attachment definitely does link to caregivers Mm -hmm. a lot most of the time, our upbringing. And I would say in my experience, I have to honor that as well, because most of the time when I'm working with people, it does come back to that in some way. And that is even when, and I'm never like dismissing people's experience, but quite often Mm -hmm. people that come to me will say, I had a great childhood. It makes no sense. Something will come up, you know, but I think it's sometimes not the obvious things that we might expect. Um, Childhood. Um, attachment difficulties to look like I think we have ideas of what that would be and what that would look like but it can be much more subtle it can be um, you know a parent that wasn't available because they were out working they were out supporting they were out doing what could look like doing the best for the family you know that's not Mm -hmm. to say that is not to say and because like I say repair is really really key Um, That said, absolutely, we know that intergenerational trauma is being more and more talked about and acknowledged. So, you know, your great, great grandparents experience of trauma and how that ripples down through through the generations. We know that, you know, significant experiences within your romantic relationships can leave that impact. We know a secure person can experience a really unhealthy dynamic and then struggle with insecurity. It does look like they can kind of move back to secure a bit easier with time. Mm -hmm. It's a bit easier to rediscover that secure self because we all have that secure self than it would be for someone who um, is primarily insecure from younger years. Um, Our self-esteem issues being bullied, traumas, you know, our our experience, every experience really, we can somehow put into connection, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just, even if it is that there is a significant event or lots of events in our childhood, 
we can also then combine that with this thing that someone said to me one time in school mm-hmm. and then that them two together really confirmed this belief I had about myself and how I view the world. Wow. Yeah. And you're right. That's so interesting. So then like, if, like you said, everything in life impacts us and, and it's maybe that can lead to a repeating pattern. So what if like, for me, I had to realize that, or what helped me realize when I, as I became more self-aware that, oh, is this something like, there's a reason why something is repeating. And I'll be honest, I, I started to realize that maybe there's some additional work I had to do two years ago when that ex said, Carly verbatim, the exact same thing my first love said to me 10 years prior, I was self-aware enough to realize this is a reason why I'm hearing this again. Is there a pattern in me? And it was, I love you so much, but it feels like it's never enough. And so what happens when somebody is experiencing these patterns over and over and they recognize that it's a pattern? Is there a reason why or something deeper that we are getting stuck in healing from these repeating patterns, but we so desperately want to heal mm. from it and break that mm. pattern. I mean, yes, would be the short answer to that. There's there's quite a few different things coming to me because, you know, there's different reasons, there's different theories. And I, I would definitely say, you know, when it comes to me working with people, that I think is really relevant of what you've just said. And actually not even just me working with people, people that are seeking the videos of, you know, of mine that you found on YouTube, things like that. They have often got to a point where they can see the patterns and it's almost, so I ran a masterclass last night. So everything's like quite fresh in my mind on anxious attachment and this is just a reoccurring theme of I recognize it, I see it, but when I'm in it, I really struggle to change or yeah. I'm still, you know, still attracting the same kind of people. And I'm just thinking of where to even start. I think the first mm-hmm. thing to know is that that is really normal and really natural. Change requires certain um, foundations you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about today of how do we actually create that change. But the, our attachment styles run really, really deep. And when we go into that state of survival Mm -hmm. or when we experience a possible, you know, a similar uh, trigger, things like that, we will go back to that state in that moment. Mm -hmm. And the awareness sometimes isn't enough to do something different in that moment. I believe that we have to adopt certain other skills in our daily lives in order to really start to break free of that pattern. I believe we have to be more patient with ourselves, more intentional with ourselves, because ultimately we're often trying to fix the past Mm. or that part of us that has been hurt, where that rupture happened it takes over in that moment. You know, our trauma is stored in our body and it's exactly as you said, it gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And we can think we've cleared it until we're around that trigger again, mm-hmm. until we're around that person that is kind of similar to our attachment figure in some way or that person that um, bring, yeah, really hits our wounds. You know, so you- we do repeat them. Mm-hmm. So you hit it. So it's like, you know, there is a wound that we have to acknowledge that there is like an inner wound, whether it's linked to childhood trauma or any trauma from the past. Cause like you said, we're trying to fix the past, right? Like we may think that, but in a way, I, I think can you tell me if you um, disagree or think differently, but number one, it's important to have that awareness that there is this part of you, a wounded part from the past that we need to be aware of, address, and find a way to to heal it, right? 
or else that's why we may be repeating it. You know, awareness is the first step. I was grateful and recognized that, okay, I'm aware of this, but clearly we're going to get to the action, you know, how to take those daily steps. I love that you said it's a daily practice, mm-hmm. but recognize that there's, there's a wound there that we need mm-hmm. to heal. Right. And that's, that's why it's, it's coming up again. It's like, it's asking for that attention to not neglect that it needs to be healed. Absolutely. And it is so strong. We know how strong it is to, especially when we're under stress, that's when we're most likely to go back to those older patterns. Um, And that's why often people might report that, you know, if they're not in relationship, for example, they feel really strong. I know myself, I'm ready, I'm good. And then they get back into relationship with someone and it all falls apart. So that I'm probably talking a bit more about anxious and disorganized there. Um, But someone avoidant might be like, I'm ready for love, this is it. And they meet someone and maybe those first initial stages, it's all good. And then we start to fall into those patterns. Unless we're aware, we're practicing, we're doing the things I'm sure we're about to to talk about. But Yeah, I think as well, just to acknowledge that with the repeating patterns, because that is what we, we know that that happens. I think you just have to have a lot of compassion for yourself for that. Yeah, no, I was just, but we can change it. Yeah, I was just gonna say before you said those words, I'm like, do we have to, you know, you, we have to be okay with yourself and acknowledge that it's okay, we're human. Right. And, and I think that's so crucial because it's like kind of, um, maybe this is a bad analogy, but it's like when you set yourself up for like new year's resolution and I set goals now, but not new year's resolution, but you know, it's similar. You have this lofty goal and then you beat yourself up for it because you maybe broke it or you didn't reach that resolution on day two or three or first week. But yeah, be a little kind to yourself. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah go ahead. sorry, I was going to say one other thing, um, mm-hmm. because I, I think I started to say it and then sort of digressed a bit. But individually as well and that's why it's so generalized when we look at okay reasons that we continue to repeat uh, repeat patterns mm. of what are our own fears you know what's unconsciously behind why we are struggling like yeah. personally to change and I do think that that's worth noting because that sometimes is why the lists and the formulas and even my YouTubes or my podcasts, it doesn't work necessarily. It gives you great insight, mm-hmm. but it's often because we need to address the individual blocks to our personal healing because our per- like the blocks yeah. is not yeah. just our resistance. It's not us not being committed enough. When we repeat these patterns, it's not because you can't do it. It's actually because something in you is so protective and believes in these anxious or avoidant strategies because they've worked in the past, they protected you. And so we have to figure out. And so I will look individually with people, um, well, you're keeping yourself busy all the time or you're worried all the time or there is this resistance or you're stopping and starting. You're... There, there will be something blocking you individually from making that permanent change. And when you start to get awareness of that, rather than just your attachment style, that's where change can really happen. Wow, that's powerful. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, you have to learn and to recognize that it's, it is very individual. And yes, watching these and hopefully hearing this podcast will help. In a lot of ways, but the work really happens when you, you know, go inner into yourself to recognize that your individual block. So what, like, I want to like hone in a little bit more on there. So what helped you? I know you work with lots of different clients and it's incredible. Like what was one of the ways that helped you, Carly, to recognize your individual block to step away from those repeating patterns? Well, you know what I would say first and foremost, before mm-hmm. in terms of it being <clears throat> the secure skill sets, if you like, okay. it was actually the pain. The oh. pain was the very first thing. Because, you know, they say when it comes to change, the pain has to outweigh 
the the experience or the pleasure because there is a it's like I say there is a, this can be really hard to believe but there is a reason we're repeating that pattern as well there is something in there that's um there's a belief in us somewhere that this works and this is helping us in some way and that's a lot of the inner work that we do um mm. but yeah for me that first and foremost where I was like how did I begin to see my own pattern one it was actually similar to what you said I I remember it was so when I really became aware of it it was after a big breakup I became aware of my low self-esteem after that Mm. and then when I was back in the dating scene is when I became aware of chasing Mm -hmm. these unavailable ridiculous relationships I actually thought they were relationships um and what did they used to say to me I don't know that they all said it, but it's definitely enough that I saw a pattern. It was just something like your lovely butt, your lovely butt. Mm, butt. Yeah, this makes no sense. Like we're having a great time together. So this makes no sense why there would be a sudden pull away or all of these things. And also just these guys I was dating, the whole cycle was the same each time, even the amount of weeks it was, how it ended, then the way that I would react and suddenly I was in love with them, but before I wasn't too sure, everything. And I could date that back to before, so it doesn't get confusing, the big breakups, it was my first wake up. Before that, when I was dating, this was the experience. So one, Mm. it was just staring me in the face, this can't be a coincidence. Exactly. Yeah, I was really into personal development, working in mental health, mm-hmm. um, help supporting people with change. So I was doing all of this work um, outwardly and really beginning inwardly. And I think that just helps you to reflect anyway. Yeah. And so, yeah, the pain just was unbearable. Wow. And I just started, I honestly, my first thing was I was looking into how to feel happier my first signs where I'm not happy in these I'm not happy mm-hmm. so being really aware of your emotions and the feelings that pain and if you feel the pain recognize that like wait maybe this is there's a reason why I'm feeling this pain let's get deeper into that pain um, yeah. as opposed to just like you know brushing it under the rug there's a reason why our body gives us signs I mean I actually Oh my God, Carly, I uh, I started this year, two years in a row, January 1st, sick. But this year I was sick for not the previous reason getting COVID, but I had psychosomatic symptoms from like a mm-hmm. toothache to the, after the toothache healed, you know, the dentist was like, there's nothing wrong, no cavity. I'm like, I know I have really good dental hygiene. I'm like, she's like, there's nothing wrong with your gum. I'm like, what the heck is going on? The next day... After the two started healing, body aches. I was in bed for 24 hours, but I had to then pause and realize, okay, Chris, your body is screaming at you that something is off because there's there's a reason why our, our, our body tells you these things. You know, when you're over activating something, your stress, yeah. obviously mine was stress level, but so I love that you said that, you know, recognize whether you're you know, that pain or those feel into those emotions. So yeah, if I can add to it, um, because what it's reminding me of is, so the last time I was in a relationship, so I had been doing the inner work here, Mm. very aware of everything, but I was still engaging that pull towards this really unhealthy relationship. Okay. Relationship. (laughs) Um, And, but I was, it was just, because I was so aware it was completely out of alignment and there was no denying that I was with it enough that I was able to say this definitely is not the person definitely not the one but I wasn't there enough that I could stop going back I did in the end um and do you know I never connected them at the time I had I've never really suffered from like hugely bad skin um But just on my chin, it was, I've never had anything like it for me personally. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I had to go to the doctor because it was so painful repeating all the time. And I went to the doctor and he just said, oh, it's acne, gave me these antibiotics, which I know some people, I got a lot of stick at the time for that actually, because I put it on my story. Um, But I took the antibiotics, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it worked. And um, when that relationship ended, because finally I did actually send this last message and that was it, it went. 
went away, right? It went. Anyway. And I just thought it has, like, I'll, I'll never truly know, but I was like, it has to be. It has to be that connection. And I, I see it that I was just so out of alignment and it was obviously stressful and all of those things. But yeah, it went and I just will never forget that. Um, and then to add to what we were saying with the pain and things, that first step was around, it was also around subtly, I didn't know I was doing this because I was so into happiness. And so there I was learning about um, self-love and loving myself more and just what that means in the most simple, simple ways that started to teach me what felt good. And so the exercises from podcasts like this or books I was reading, it was often like, find what you enjoy, find what lights you up. And I really started to realize, oh, I love going for coffee. I love going to cafes with a book. I love going to spin classes. I just started to, for the first time in my life, know what I loved. Mm-hmm. And I believe that as you start to recognize what you like and how that makes you feel, you're then more likely to know what doesn't feel good. Yeah. And for insecure attachment, we often have those things the wrong way around. We don't, we perceive um, healthy to be unhealthy and unhealthy to be boring. No, yeah, healthy to be boring, all of the things, you know, not exciting and unhealthy to be love and this is good and this is what it is because that's what we know. So we almost have to retrain ourselves of what is happiness, what's safety, what's good what is painful, what is unsettling, what is nerves, what is worry. Wow, that is so interesting. Sorry, no, that's a lot of information. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 I like that. It was very interesting. But this is a great segue into my next question, because we talked about recognizing signs from their body as Mm -hmm. one. So are there other signs that we can be aware of when our attachment wound is activated, especially I found it very interesting too, and I won't derail too much, but when you said how some of us can experience when we're out of a relationship being, oh, I'm secure, but you don't really know unless you're in the environment to be possibly triggered and learn through that, right? And so I thought that was really, really powerful that I I had to learn as well too. But are there other signs that we should be aware of and recognize before we start so that we can get on that healing journey that we know that it's activating our inner wound? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the work that I did, because I'm now in a relationship that I... I still almost don't recognize it sometimes mm. like because it's so different to past relationships. And so that I call it like the happy single bubble the when nothing can touch you. And then when I got into this relationship, I definitely saw a lot of things flare up again. Mm. The way that I managed it in this relationship so that we're still in this relationship, because there was a moment where it was hit and miss, you know, because all of this stuff came back up. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't done that work single as well I believe you can do the work in both single and in relationship Mm. um but just in case anyone's like in that happy place and like oh my god so when I get in a relationship it's all going to be over it won't be it will still help you sustain the relationship Mm. um but yeah signs I guess the thing with signs is I guess we are looking at the attachment style because they will have different signs to look out for okay one like anxious Mm -hmm. and then the avoidant because those are the key two key insecure absolutely and you know if you feel like I'm a bit of both of these which I know that I can be um Uh then that's just that would be disorganized or the fourth attachment style oh okay so the disorganized is a little bit of both okay yeah or a lot of both. <laughs> so, yeah. So, with the anxious, then, like key signs is there is that fear of loss, fear of abandonment, fear of being alone. So, your thoughts likely surround that in some way. And, like I say, when you're in relationship with someone else, they really, really struggle to stay in relationship with themselves. They go outwards for validation. So if when you're under stress, if when you're sad, if when you, yeah, are activated, you feel like you need someone else to make you feel better, often that's a very anxious strategy. And we will, we will attempt to go outwards in, in the most extreme ways to feel loved, to feel connected, to get this person, they will 
reach out from a place of fear, protest. It's quite mm. demanding. It can be quite controlling. Very, mm. very painful, the anxious attachment. Um, love is like obsessive. We're preoccupied with it. Very intense panic reactions. Um, exaggerated distress, crying not that there's anything wrong with these things but it's very exaggerated and feels very out of control and unless I have that person yeah you know we just don't know where we end and the other person begins Mm -hmm. with anxious attachment and I think if you're falling into the I would say this secure people especially when dating someone new or there's a change in your relationship can experience worry and anxiety as well Mm -hmm. but they're able to still function they still know who they are. It's not about their self-worth. Yeah. There's an underlying foundation safety. They can move back to mm-hmm. feeling okay again, whereas anxious will get very stuck in that state until that person. And if they can't, if they can't because the person's broken up and is no longer responding, that's just one example. Um, that's when they might go into shutdown, avoidance, depression. Ah, okay. Okay. So then besides like shutting down, what are some of the other signs of the avoidant attachment style? That's the avoidance, isn't it? It's like, um, we see with the anxious, it's that panic. And with the avoidant, we kind of might immediately think of, yeah, shut down. There is also deep trust issues. Uh, from the avoidant? From the avoidant, from both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a negative outlook on what love and relationship means for them, for their well-being, for their freedom. And here is where you might tend to keep love at arm's length. Uh-huh. Not always single. They do want connection, but there is this excessive like self-reliance, uh-huh. d- real difficulty with discussing emotion. Not just I don't want to discuss emotion, I'm not interested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shut down to it. And so they're not openly seeking support from others. They're dealing with things on their own, mm. really able to suppress feelings. And so numbness is we feel a lot here. So if I'm working with someone, I must say actually – so with avoid no let me say with everyone everyone does have tendencies of avoidant anxious secure oh. it's just that we will have a primary one and it's just yes, like yes. if you're in relationship or you think of uh, friends or siblings or you know anyone mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see them go avoidant and sometimes you'll see them anxious because whilst our attachment style absolutely influences our relationships and who we choose and and our decisions and, but we can change that the people in front of us also influences our attachment style you know so it's why we see people who's quite secure an anxious person might be like oh my god they're too much that is they're so needy anxious people might even label someone secure as anxious because they're showing them interest and they're like that's just too much so wow. at the same time, the anxious person around an avoidant is extremely anxious. Interesting. Oh. That's just one example, of course. Yeah. Mm. That's very interesting. I didn't think about that. Mm. But let's let's get into it now in terms of how we can start to heal because mm-hmm. I took steps to get here because I think before you do any type of work, you have to, one, have the awareness and then so know what it is. And then get to the root of the why. Like for me, the why is everything. You know, uh, obviously we know Simon Sinek, you know, made that really, really popular. But for me, it's not even, it's it's anything in life, you know. After we recognize, we understand the why. Now, what are the steps? What are the initial steps now to take action? Because Mm -hmm. no change can ever happen without action, right? So what were, you know, you can share it from your personal experience or kind of overarching. What do you think the key essential steps are to start moving from an insecure attachment to feeling more secure? Yeah, I just think it's such a good discussion to be having. So there's some foundations, I believe, because it is like a puzzle and 
we're all in different places. So we really have to meet ourselves where we are ourselves. And usually you'll know that based on what's the reoccurring pattern right now? What's the trigger right now? What are you unhappy with right now? And I think when you're really aware of that, it's going to give you an idea of where you need to start personally. And I'll just share different areas of what that can look like. Like I say, it's definitely, for me, I really do believe it can be like a puzzle and there's not a one size fits all. It's a real combination. We don't want to try and fix Mm -hmm. everything at once, of course. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that there's overall skills that apply to all of us. Okay. a secure skill set when we look at so one of the things that I love to do is look at the secure skill set typically speaking Uh Uh rather than I think we can sometimes become quite obsessed with the red flags and what's insecure and actually it can be really useful the way I try to do it is to be like well actually what's secure what does that look like yeah that really helped me in relationship because when you start to learn that I started to realize you know if my partner's not messaging me or he's focused on something else I started to realize oh that's really normal secure people can focus on lots of things and be present in that moment and it doesn't mean that he's not holding love for me but it does mean I'm not his priority in that moment oh my god that was really powerful for me that is so huge I even just had a Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Definitely as an anxious person. Yeah, I've experienced that so much. And I think it's maybe refocusing on the negative. The negative is he hasn't responded to me. And for me, it was like, you know, X amount of time. And I start to like, you know, have those negative thoughts that feed my negativity bias, as opposed to I love what you said. No, what does it look like? What a secure person would do. And it's exactly shifting. Yeah. And the thing is, the specific tools, that's where things really can vary, you know. So we have overall, which I'll I'll speak to about those overall skills, but how we get there, I wish we could deliver that in a podcast in an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I use a combination of in a relationship focusing, if you know that. It's basically um, bringing a state of presence, the here and now. Mm -hmm. And that is you know, our natural state of self when we're that inner essence is calmness, Mm -hmm. curiosity, compassion. And that for me is really, you know, I say those early stages, I didn't know I was doing this until later on, I learned it um, in training, but it was starting to meet myself with compassion, starting to meet my anxious attachment with compassion rather than hating myself and blaming myself that that's why I'll never find love. love so that. that's really key. I use somatic work, being able to, you said this earlier, being able to say, I feel pain. I feel unhappy. I really notice like this feels impossible. I want to reach out to my partner so much. I feel like I'm crawling out my skin. You know, what I'm sensing in my, yeah. And just being able to recognize that, knowing that's going to pass is, is really key. So, and then the final thing that I use is cognitive behavioral therapy, because I do believe that our beliefs, the thought replacement and positive thinking doesn't work. If it did, we'd all be great. We'd all not have these problems. (laughs) Um, But I just think, yeah, recognizing my thoughts and being able to pause and reframe has been extremely powerful you know I keep thinking during this conversation so I'll share it that there was a moment the other day where I said to my partner oh I'd like you to buy me some flowers and he said oh do you want me to buy you some flowers and I just said yeah and um and I thought to myself oh wow there's a time where I would have been annoyed now like I shouldn't have to ask you but instead because that's me yeah but yeah but I wasn't. I was like, oh, he's not a mind reader. He has no idea. I will say this. He hasn't bought me flowers since. So it must have just gone out of his head or yeah. I don't know. It's just not, he hasn't. But do you know what was really interesting is the next, and this is maybe why I've not brought it up again, because here I would say this to someone. He has probably forgotten. It was a passing conversation, doesn't value it, whatever. If I really, really want flowers to the point where it's triggering me, I need to go and ask him again. I would really love it if you bought me some flowers. Mm -hmm. Can I just stop and just like dig a little bit? Because 
because I need to learn from you on this thing because um, I've had this thought before too. Like, <laughs> oh, I would, I would love it if he like brought me flowers just mm-hmm. without asking. Because to me, my like lofty romanticized vision. I'm a Pisces too. And then, then we have Hollywood feed us all this, you know, that like, I shouldn't have to, it would be more romantic. So how did you get away from that thought of like, it would be nice if he just like wanted to do it versus- I don't even, you know, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, it's okay. Versus being very secure and calm and okay with just asking very nice, like, oh, it'd be really nice. How did you move that to this? So firstly, I don't even know why I asked it. I don't know. We must something. We must have been listening to something. Or I've got no idea why I asked it. It's not something that had previously been on my mind. So that's key because if it had been, it might be something that's quite triggering for me. But it wasn't. So I think that already helped. I'm quite stable about the flowers thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't. Just in that moment, I have really come to understand, and I'll speak to you about this in a moment because I'll go through the different steps. I'll sort of okay, do it yeah. quite quickly for you. Um, that it's okay for us to ask for things. We are not mind readers and we just have different ideas. So here's what really helps. So I'm a big believer in letting things play out naturally without intervention. When we do that, things resolve themselves quite often. And for anxious attachment, especially, that's really key to see and avoidant, actually, that you can start to see people don't just want your freedom. They are just interested in what's going on. When things play out naturally, we see that sometimes in a healthy dynamic, things just resolve themselves and answers become clearer. And so anyway, so I said the thing about the flowers, and I guess probably I was okay at that moment because it seemed like he was going to go and buy me flowers. He said, I'll get you flowers. Yeah, sure. It was literally that night. um, He came back from work and I said, oh my God, I'm dying for a Diet Coke. I should have asked you to buy me one. He brought you a Diet Coke. No, we just carried on as normal. We, no one was going to go out to the shop at that point. <laughs> the next day when he came home from work, he came home with a Diet Coke without me asking this time. He just remembered from the night before. Yeah. And just in that moment, I just thought to myself, that's flowers. Mm. You want him to buy you flowers. Okay, they're not the flowers, but he has remembered something and he yeah. has brought that back with you in mind. And so now it's keeping that eye on what does he do? Okay, the flowers aren't there, but he, that, you know, he did bring that Diet Coke home. And it's just from noticing things like that. Before, though, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have noticed that. I would have just been like, where are the flowers? Exactly. Uh, So, still again, like not focusing on the lack, but like, the actual really positive, beautiful things in their way, maybe of showing the love and care and thoughtfulness. Yeah. Love so, it. Yeah. And, and that it's okay to ask. I love that when you said yeah, that. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, uh, yeah. Do you want me to go through the sort of different pillars? Please. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do it. Yeah. So I look at this as being, so the acronym is secure. So I'll go through the S, the C, et cetera. So the first one, and this might change as I develop, as I grow, this can definitely change, but I'm sure these elements will all come to it. The first is, I've touched on this already, but it is self in presence. So this is what we create when we use a method in a relationship focusing um, that I use. And self in presence is our ability to catch ourselves rather than being taken over by our feelings. Mm. When we're in self in presence, we're actually, we do still feel it. Okay, so this is, people come to me saying, can you stop me being triggered and just make me self-soothe? Sometimes we Mm. can't self-soothe. The wound is really deep and it's extreme and we're out of our window of tolerance. Self in presence is how am I, going to communicate with myself during this moment so that can be really I'm really sensing something in me is extremely anxious right now so there's no need to fight how we feel we more listen to how we feel acknowledge how we feel as time goes on we begin to use the the other pillars I'm going to talk about and with a combination of compassion 
that inner communication because we're being present with. So yes, we have the awareness that I'm being hard on myself or that I'm anxious, mm-hmm. but do I have the presence with it? Awareness is one thing, but being present with it and listening to that anxious part and we'll merge with it again, which is, this is terrible. This is awful. I'm so anxious. And mm-hmm. then can we have that moment where we're like, it is awful. It is you like it. Something does feel really anxious. Wow. Okay. Does that make sense? No, that totally. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's not, and again, like awareness is one step, but the presence actually really means to feel into it, listen to it. And I love what you said, listen to how you feel and not yeah. fight how you feel. That was beautiful. Yeah. It will pass, you know, it passes. And that goes as well when we feel numb. We often, well, I feel numb, so I can't do this work. Mm-hmm. See numb, like you would see the panic feeling. Be with that feeling of numbness. Where do you feel numb in your body? That might sound strange. And if you don't know that, look for where you don't feel numb in your body. Where do you feel okay? Mm -hmm. Where do you feel neutral in your body? So you might have to dig really deep for that one because that can be that inner protector saying, no, no, not going to feel. And we will act with that as well. The next is emotion regulation skills. Yeah, that's a big And again, you know, with all of these, there's so many tools. I think that can be what's overwhelming because we have to really experiment on what works for us. But that emotion regulation is beginning to slowly tolerate our feelings more, to be able to down-regulate when we're in panic, to up-regulate when we're in that shutdown, depressive state. And they can be the smallest, smallest steps, you know, some slight movement, slowness, Mm -hmm. uh, reflecting just on our emotions. That can be so powerful. I think it can be a bit annoying sometimes, kind of, when people say, just acknowledge how you feel. But when we acknowledge and we put language to our emotions, it can be so key to to Mm -hmm. limit the merging with it to becoming with it. You'll notice that I've mentioned it already, but that idea of I'm sensing something in me, Mm -hmm. that can be really, really helpful. And just more, the more you sense, the more you'll be able to tolerate. And so it'll be a little bit longer before you send that text or you'll be able to um, pause before you react. Yeah, no, that pause and emotional self-regulation, Carly, was the transformative stuff that I, I started to take when I realized, again, self-awareness was one thing, but that emotional self-regulation was so transformative because one, I learned to pause and in that space of pause, oh, that is, I don't, I think it's so, I, I think we don't realize how powerful that moment of pause is. And then I, I, I learned I have a choice when you give yourself that moment to pause, you can think a little bit more clearly, rationally, not your emotions overtaking you. But then I realized, Carly, oh, I have a choice. I can choose to go down that path and feed my negativity bias and then what that would look like versus what you said beautifully earlier, choosing to maybe look at the positive or what my therapist taught me, look, look at the facts. Is it true that he doesn't love you? Is it true that he's not, he doesn't care about you? You know, look at the facts first. So, wow. And we have to, we have to dig so deep and know how our brains work. Because immediately when you say that, I can hear someone saying, the fact is he didn't buy me flowers or she didn't buy me flowers. The fact is. That's true. But what, but. What is the fact? Is it a fact that he did that because he doesn't care about you? Exactly. The root. What is the root that you're really picking at? Are you picking at the flowers or like <laughs> how you like how you said when your mm. boyfriend brought you the Diet Coke, mm. you really it, it proved it wasn't about the flowers. Mm. What you were craving, not craving, but what you would yeah, want. Maybe you crave it. Yeah, desire was a little thoughtfulness with, you know, that surprised and delighted you. Yeah. And yeah. And I just think I I do actually love the word that you said craving. I do love that. And I just do want to point out, yeah, because I think we do crave these things and that leads us really nice onto the the next pillar of the secure pillars and that's communication with insecure attachment. Communicating can feel really, really risky 
because that's where we might have experienced rejection. It might have been where we've told we're wrong. We, for all of the reasons that we might not be able to share our voice or that when we do share our voice, it's in quite a demanding, aggressive way, let's say, or we've got to boiling point. We talk a lot about vulnerability, you know, in those early stages of dating and we hear a lot about being vulnerable. And -hmm. I think it's really key to start knowing where your vulnerable areas are. So I never understood until I understood um, how I really feel the emotions, Mm -hmm. what it was to be vulnerable. I thought if I tell you a bit about my childhood, that's really vulnerable. What I realize now is the vulnerable is something that where I want to go silent. It's something where an example would be saying to my partner when we were in that dating stage, like, I want to see you. Oh my God, it felt impossible. That was so vulnerable for me to say, I would like to see you. Mm. It was like, I, I, yeah, it was so vulnerable. And sometimes he did say no. And so communicating can be risky, but taking that risk without an attachment to the outcome. Yeah. leaning into the vulnerability I think it is Brené Brown has a great quote I keep seeing it on Instagram but it's something about leaning leaning into the cringiness Mm. you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah we have to and all of the other things but communication has a huge huge so many branches coming off it right we could do a whole episode on that but know your areas that you struggle to communicate and slowly start to breathe around that and start with people that you trust. That's why often, you know, therapy or someone that you really, really trust that you can trust in their response is a great place to start. Yeah, amazing. You know? Then we have, and I think maybe you'll you'll know a bit about this, but we have understanding parts. Understanding So parts. I really believe that this is, it was really life-changing for me to understand my anxious part is not me my avoidant part is not me and to combine the self in presence and to get to know those parts with compassion, with understanding that I accept them. I didn't choose them, but they do need to be chosen. That is what they long for. What is it that they crave? So understanding the different parts of us, I just think we don't have, I know not everyone loves parts work for me personally. I have found it to be life changing for resolving trauma and grief and all of those things. Um, the next is resilience. So Mm -hmm. getting up and going again and not taking, if I took every time someone had ended a relationship with me, I call them relationships with me Mm -hmm. to heart, like I just, or hadn't got back up afterwards, I wouldn't be here now. So that knowing what you have been through, knowing your strengths, we move on to the lessons and the resilience when the time is right. Mm. But if we can begin, you might, I already had some natural resilience. Mm -hmm. If you haven't got natural resilience, and that might be so if you're someone who really gets hit hard and struggles to get up and go again and take things personally in that victim mode, then that might be a skill that that you focus on personally. But for me, it was quite natural. I remember when I went through a breakup being like, um, right, this pain is not going to be worth nothing. I've been through this before. I'm going to get up. When the time's right, we have got to go through the pain. Maybe I didn't always do that. I definitely replaced people. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's if that natural resilience that isn't there, then we might need to build that. Mm-hmm. And then the final pillar is the, the really fun one, because this doesn't all have to be doom and gloom. <laughs> this is the expanding your potential this one is what are your dreams what What do you want what are your dreams oh dream okay yeah what do you want for yourself what's your dreams for your life what makes you happy what Mm. lights you up following that like inner fire that will lead us in the right direction around the right people the Mm. more we take those kind of risks because that's another kind of risk right to for you to set up this podcast and and put this out there that's another kind of risk to follow this Mm -hmm. this dream you wouldn't maybe you would believe because you're doing it the amount starting my own business and my blog especially those all those years ago gave me so many skills when it comes to rejection yeah (laughs) I started to understand that in other areas of my life Mm mm-hmm 
That's huge. You know? You're right. Yeah. And, and from the- an attachment, sorry, attachment point yeah. of view, when you begin to build your potential, your life, your dreams, it's harder to get knocked down. The challenge for the anxious person is to not give that up for someone else. Mm-hmm. No. To not let someone being in relationship with someone else make you drop those things. Mm-hmm. The challenge for someone with avoidant is to let someone in and to share that and to not rely on that to, mm. to not have to get close, to not be in relationship with that so much that you're not in relationship with someone else. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love how you just encapsulated that very like clearly and succinctly. It makes sense, but so, so powerful each step. And I think one quick question to that does it, it doesn't have to happen in, in order right it just yeah <laughs> no, no there's no formula yeah, yeah it's just easy to memorize you know and and for you to kind of work on it you know this acronym secure self presence emotional regulation communication understanding your parts resilience and expanding your potential that yeah. Is- and you know, when I work with people sometimes, so I run, a, I have a membership for that. I really try to gather them as much as I can spread it out across it. When I'm working with people personally on their own formulation and what's going on for them, we, one of them, we might not even, two or three of them, we might not even touch because they might have that natural resilience. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go there. Mm-hmm. We're meeting you where you are. And then there's the person in front of me constantly criticizing themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, we need to work with that part. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, can I say this? Because like it it was important for me um, as I'm going through my healing journey to become more secure. And I do feel like I am because I've taking these steps and, and it's so well, and I love, love when you, like I said, when you had the E being emotional regulation, because I actually did short recently about it. I'm going to actually do a whole podcast around it. But for us to celebrate, you know, not being kind, but celebrate and acknowledge your growth. Like that's when I I was realizing, oh, I I think I'm in this process. Oh, that was going to be my question to you. But how how do you know when you when you know you're healing? For me, it was, oh, wow, I've made I've I've seen some growth. I'm not acting the way I used to. I'm pa- I'm learning to pause now. So actually now I'll turn it over to you. Aside from those, are there other compassionate signs or signs that we know and we can be proud of that, ah, oh, I'm starting to heal? Yeah. I love that, by the way. Celeb- every Friday in the membership, we celebrate ourselves. I used to celebrate the smallest, smallest wins. I can remember my friend saying to me, like, you give yourself too much credit. And she didn't mean it. She said it from like a secure perspective of like, you're engaging in that relationship. Like, that's not okay. Why are you celebrating yourself? (laughs) I knew I wasn't reaching out as much. And I will tell you that now she says the opposite. She's like, oh my goodness. But it wasn't obvious to anyone else at that point because my outward behaviors were still engaging in that relationship. Um, But inward, I knew, you know, the secret obsessions that my friend didn't know I had to hold back texting someone so much. Mm. I celebrated every small win, every, every, every win. And I actually just reminded me, uh, one of my clients, that was her homework last week to celebrate herself. And I mean, literally, it was to dance, celebrate herself. Mm -hmm. And she messaged me and she said, um, I'm so quiet. So where we message each other privately I'm so quiet on here I'm busy celebrating myself and I just thought yeah so there is nothing more I need to that's fine isn't it I'm so because I'm busy wow yeah chills and you know this the you're gonna know the signs Mm. and it might be that you paused before it might be that you didn't reach out it might be that you're putting yourself first a bit more mm-hmm. and probably that you're just having more moment fleeting moments perhaps mm-hmm. where you're feeling a sense of peace maybe you then do go back into it but you're having those moments of peace I think if you can see that you are actively engaging with podcasts like this you know there's so so many signs of healing I remember once and this is completely separate I was walking I don't know where I was going but 
I was about halfway there and I realized that I'd left my keys at home. And in the past, oh my God, I would have been distraught, so annoyed at myself, so frustrated. And in this moment, I just managed to be like, oh, I've left my keys at home and not go into the beating myself up and not go into it being the end of the world. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, that's huge progress. I didn't just beat myself up, you know? So how you speak to yourself, how you treat yourself, and maybe you will find that you're not um, going out of that sort of window of tolerance as much, Mm. still functioning when things are crap. (laughs) (laughs) No, those are um, beautifully said. I do have one last important question that I ask everyone, but before I go there, is it okay to ask one like additional question? Please, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Just want to be mindful of your time. So this goes kind of back to, and I, I love when you said we can start to heal in a relationship. And that's something I've learned too. But can two insecure attachment people be together <laughs> and while they're healing and still be in a healthy relationship? Because I know yeah. we can we can be in a relationship and start to heal in the relationship, but does it mean that we have to be with a secure person or can two people on their own journey also? Yeah. It's always going to depend on the severity of the strategies and how, yeah. how anxious you are or how avoidant you are and how extreme that is. But yes, we, we can do that work together. It can, it could be that two people decide let's pause let's do this work and then see where we're at. It might be that they have a conversation and this is the thing you need to be willing to have that conversation, right? Mm. It's not to say though, that one person changing, if I was to be less anxious, that's going to trigger an avoidant person less, you know, but I'm not saying just for one person to do all the changes and to, you have to be, because the anxious person will be more likely to give up all of their needs we're talking you need to be secure as well so still expressing yourself still having those secure skill sets um but yeah I really do believe that with the right support communication that two people can if it's not at a level where you're just not hearing each other and you're too merged and yeah okay awesome all right my last question so this is a question I ask all of my guests but I think I want to slightly tweak it for you, for this conversation. If you can go back to your younger self, the younger Carly, maybe it was the anxious Carly before, to help self-soothe her, what would you tell her? I have a very similar question on my podcast. Mm. I feel like, for some reason, when you say that, the first thing I notice is I think it wouldn't even just be words. Mm. I feel like it would almost be like an embrace as well. Yeah, something around, yeah, there's something there where it's almost like the feeling I want to give her more than the words. I'm almost like she's going to hear the words, she's going to understand the words, but like that feeling of safety. Mm. But if I was to tell her anything, two things come to mind. The first is that she doesn't have to be like so strong Mm. that she's a child you know and it just has to be for her that that everything is going to be okay I don't know that she she thought life was normal so I don't know if it would make any sense to her um but that it is going to be okay you know oh and I know that's really probably quite typical isn't it but no. I think when I'm in my times of stress, all I ever want to know is I just want to be able to see into the future that everything's going to be okay. And so I imagine that must come from somewhere. Of course, of course. And so I would tell her it is going to be okay. Yeah. No, it's it, mm-hmm. that's super powerful. And I think that's a lot of, you know, being, again, an anxious person too and have that attachment style. That's... Mm-hmm kind of the underlying pillar too, that I needed to know that it is okay. It is not because it means this or that. So no, it's beautiful. Thank yeah. you. 
So, wow, so much covered in one hour. Um, It was incredibly enlightening and just so much additional learning for me too. And I know it will be for my listeners. How can our listeners support you or say hi to you or reach out for help if they feel that they are in this place where they want to start making those healing changes? Yeah, of course. So I use Instagram the most, which is Carly.an underscore. It's um, so Carly-an.co.uk. I do have a membership. It's yeah. sort of low access um, in terms of, you know, I know coaching can can seem like a really big step. Um, so it's full of resources, masterclasses. We have daily classes where we meet literally just for 15 really? minutes to mm. practice those because I do it anyway. So I just invited people to join my daily practice, basically. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so there's a, a diary that I complete every day, a five-minute check-in, um, and just bring in that. And it, it's basically a combination of all of these tools that we've just spoken to, but because there's only so much education, right, that helps. Um, so that's called the Attachment Recovery Gym. But, yeah, if my Instagram's there up and well, then definitely come and drop into my DMs. If not... Check out her uh, YouTube channel as well, too. That's yes, I forget family. about that. <laughs> yeah. so, I forget about my YouTube. Yeah, if Instagram like shuts off, you know, that happened once, I think last year, <laughs> years ago, 10 hours and the whole world like went into like massive anxious mode. <laughs> I'm currently on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, YouTube. I'm trying to grow my YouTube. So that's a really good point. Yes, follow <laughs> her. I've watched, like, I don't know, like, five videos already oh amazing yeah thank you this was a oh what a lovely way to kind of start my production work so it was a really amazing conversation thank you for sharing your time and space with me thank you so much for having me And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of P.S. Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.